This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Tom Swarbrick on LBC. 10 to 6, Friday evening, Tom Swarbrick on LBC means one thing. A grateful nation huddles together on this frigid evening around whatever source of heat they can find to indulge in a moment of radio bliss. Heavenly, even. For this is Simon Marks, American Week. Tom, there is a new definition of the word irony in the English Dictionary this Friday after the President of Angola found himself at the White House meeting President Biden just hours after the news of Henry Kissinger's death was announced. This American week, the country remembered two of its most prominent aged citizens. We'll get to former First Lady Rosalind Carter later. For her, absolutely no one appears ever to have had a bad word. But let's start in the Oval Office, where the ghost of Kissinger hung thick in the air yesterday. Africa, one billion people, and no country more important than Angola. Thank you. Thank you. Henry Kissinger's legacy. Mr. President, Henry Kissinger's legacy. Kissinger's legacy, sir, what is it? Try as they might, reporters could not goad President Biden into a public word about the 100-year-old who had just passed away in Connecticut. It actually would have been more interesting to hear the views of Angola's president about Kissinger, because if Richard Nixon's Secretary of State and National Security Advisor, Kissinger was the only man ever to occupy both positions simultaneously, if he had achieved his goals, today's Angolan leader, President João Lorenzo, would not have been President Biden's guest in Washington. He is a veteran of the MPLA, one of the armed groups that in the 70s was battling to free Angola from Portugal's colonial yoke. Kissinger viewed the MPLA as a bunch of Marxist revolutionaries. If the Soviet Union continues action such as Angola, we will, without any question, resist. Speaking to reporters in January 1976, he defined Angola as just another Cold War battlefield. In Angola, we are not talking about American participation. We are talking about giving military and financial assistance to people who are doing the fighting to local people who are doing the fighting. But things were not as innocent as that. Kissinger was using the CIA to run a secret war in Angola, funneling weapons through neighbouring Zaire, now the Democratic Republic of Congo, and backing apartheid South Africa's efforts to try and defeat the MPLA. The Americans even paid US mercenaries to fight in Angola. And it wasn't only there where Kissinger played dirty. He ordered the carpet bombing of Cambodia in 1973 to stop North Vietnamese communists from overtaking Cambodia's capital. It is estimated that half a million tons of American munitions were dropped on the country, killing at least 150,000 civilians. Kissinger personally authorised nearly 4,000 separate bombing raids. Thank you.
Thanks to Richard Nixon's secret taping system in the Oval Office, we now know the extent of Kissinger's culpability. He was an enabler. On this tape, egging Nixon on as he raged against the press and his foreign policy critics. The two men were fused at the hip, Nixon attracted by Kissinger's intellect and his family story. Born in Germany a century ago, Kissinger's parents fled the Nazis with 15-year-old Henry and his brother in tow. He was, to be sure, the architect of Nixon's foreign policy successes. The historic opening to China would not have happened without him. He imagined, then implemented, detente with the USSR, negotiating arms control agreements with Soviet leader Leonid Brezhnev. And he presided over the secret talks that eventually ended America's Vietnam nightmare. We believe that peace is at hand. We believe that an agreement is within sight. Even then, he was chancing his arm, prematurely announcing the peace deal in an effort to help Nixon days before America's 1972 election. It would be months before the agreement was finalised, but the deal secured Kissinger the Nobel Peace Prize. Nothing that has happened to me in public life has moved me more than this award. On Thursday, it took the White House fully 17 hours to produce President Biden's statement on Kissinger. It runs a mere 99 words, the president noting that throughout our careers, we often disagreed. It was left to Biden's national security spokesman, John Kirby, to dance on the head of a pin. Whether you saw eye to eye with him on every issue, there's no question that uh, that he shaped foreign policy decisions for decades, and he certainly had uh, an impact on America's role in the world. He certainly did, shoring up a pro-American Pakistani dictator who was slaughtering civilians in Bangladesh, giving Argentina's military a nod and a wink when they started killing 30,000 civilians in their dirty war, and backing General Pinochet in Chile as he prepared to oust and kill the elected president, Salvador Allende. Despite all of that, Kissinger became something of a pop culture icon, a New York A-lister never out of the headlines. You'll find several references to him in Faulty Towers. It does remain a shame that Kissinger never dropped in to surprise Basil on Gourmet Night, the one event that might actually have dragged him to Torquay. He enjoyed his food, the five-star lifestyle, the company of women, many of them, and he refused to cooperate with anyone seeking accountability for the more heinous aspects of his career. What would you do if Henry Kissinger uh, decided to call you and try to bury the hatchet after all these years? Um, but one of the reasons I detest him is I sort of know that couldn't happen. Brian Lamb of C-SPAN asking the question there in one of the final interviews given by the late, much-missed Christopher Hitchens. His book, The Trial of Henry Kissinger, remains compelling reading. And in that interview, he laid out the charge sheet. If you think of the things he's been found out as having done, Lying about Vietnam, <clears throat> lying about Chile, Bangladesh, East Timor, the deaths of so many people needlessly for the vanity of himself and his criminal president. We have other people from that period in our history, Robert McNamara, others, who in their books and their memoirs tried to make some kind of restitution. They said actually this was pretty bad policy and we sort of suspected at the time. Uh, Kissinger's never said a word 
of self-criticism. Not one. In the 12 years since Christopher Hitchens' death, nothing changed. Kissinger went to his grave, even in his final interviews, conceding no errors, no mistakes. Which brings us to a study in contrasts. At a memorial service in Atlanta, the country this week bade farewell to Rosalind Carter, the former first lady who served not just alongside her husband, America's 39th president, but who was, many historians argue, the most powerful first lady since Eleanor Roosevelt. Jimmy Carter, now 99, and himself in what his family calls the final stages of his life, was on hand in a wheelchair to witness the memorial service for the woman to whom he was married for 77 years. My grandmother doesn't need a eulogy. Her life was a sermon. The Carter's grandson, Jason, paid tribute to Rosalind Carter's work, sitting in on cabinet meetings, representing her husband on overseas missions, battling to improve mental health care in America, and after the White House, spending 43 years doing good around the world. There genuinely appears to be not a single American with any kind of criticism of her. She was my grandmother, first... And she was like everyone else's grandmother in a lot of ways. Almost all of her recipes call for mayonnaise, for example. <laughs> we all got cards from her on our birthdays. $20 bill in it. When I was 45, $20 bill. Like, and she was so down to earth, y'all. It was amazing. If there is a heaven, the entry to it this week of Rosalind Carter, Shane McGowan of the Pogues and former Chancellor Alistair Darling appears to be assured. If St. Peter let Henry Kissinger in there as well, Tom, at least the celestial dinner table conversation just got a lot more interesting. From Washington, D.C., Simon Marks, American Week.